All right. All right. Welcome back to the Lindroth Hockey Podcast. You're here with father and son co-host Andrew Jim Lindroth. Dad, how are you today? Doing great, Andrew. We've been back at it here for a few weeks. Uh, surprise guest. So we've had on, let's count this up. We've had on GMs, coaches, assistant coaches, players, owners, scouts, owners, everybody. Except we have not got on like a super fan. Right. Uh, on here. So today we've got our good friend that we've known. Uh, he's followed our podcast. Not only is he a Sheffield Steeler fan, yep. season ticket holder for a long time, but he's also loves the Boston Bruins and he loves our podcast. Damn right. So it's almost like if if this guy was here, we'd be hanging out with him all the time. All the time. Yeah. So we'd like to welcome to the show here, Jack Carroll. Jack, welcome, man. How's it going, man? Thanks for having me, guys. So Jack, you are a diehard Sheffield Steeler fan. Um, if we post this, and we will, I think we'll post this one on YouTube. He's got uh, all sorts of 1995 jerseys. Uh, he's got everything on here. Yeah. So you've been a season ticket holder. Now, did you say since 1992? Pretty much, yeah. So I've been going since 91, which was the first season. Um, and then my family got season tickets from, from year two. Um, my my dad played football at a, n- not a professional level, but o- over here you have like pub leagues that in in those days were pretty pretty tribal stuff. And um, when I was born, I think him and my mum didn't want me hanging around with that whole football culture, hooligan culture sort of thing, you know. Um, and it just so happened, uh, you know, I was about three four years old when the Steelers started. Big new thing in the city. 9000 seat arena um like most people uh we we went to check it out or my my family went to check it out it took me along and we've been hooked ever since so, so we've had on bob westerdale of of the star um he's a big media guy over there and it's episode 97 that he gave us a whole history of uh, Sheffield Steeler hockey, uh, like you said, since 1991. And of course, you know, he's talking from a reporter journalist perspective. Talk to us a little bit, Jack, about from a fan perspective. Talk a little bit about Sheffield in general. Talk about maybe the history of uh, and the development of hockey in the area, because right now, I mean, Sheffield's season just started but they're the lead leaders league leaders and uh their fan base is 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 killing it for over there they're almost got uh seven thousand people uh uh every game so talk to us a little bit about the area jack and the progression of hockey because i'm sure it wasn't you know sell out arenas for the first few years or maybe it was well it quite ironically it was um but the problem was back then um in the 90s when when the Steelers started, they had to join um, a lower league. Uh, at that time, ice hockey was set up pretty much like football or, or soccer is, where if you win the league, you get promoted to the next league, and if you win that league, you get promoted, and, and you carry on all the way up to the top. So the Steelers had to start in the second or third division, I think it was, where you're playing against players that, that you know, they might be... Uh, a butcher and a postman and a and a baker during the week, and they play hockey on a weekend. And we were the first fully professional team, so we we went into places. And I mean, I, I think it was Lee Valley Lions in the nineties. We beat them twenty one one or twenty two one or something like that. It was 
and those were the sort of score lines we were getting all the time. But because of that, it only took a couple of years for the arena to start selling out. I mean, that, that first season, you might have four, 500 fans in on a game. And by by the, the end of the second season, they were having to fetch extra seating in down the curtain end of the arena because we were selling out. You had to, if you didn't have a season ticket, you had to go and queue early in the morning to get a ticket because um, everybody wanted to see this, this not just the big show and the, and the big, you, you know, you guys do it in the States. We we tried to do the same thing with the, the cheerleaders and, and people selling beer in the crowds and all that. All the things you don't get at football and, and, and other sort of events. Um, but the score lines were in our favour as well. And we won so much in such a small period of time. It, it sort of, it just blew up. Um, but unfortunately, it, it it fell down as quickly as it blew up. Um, the, the Steelers paved the way for a lot of other clubs um, to suddenly start building bigger buildings and, and doing the same thing, the loud music in between plays, the commentator who shouts and gets the crowd involved rather than just, slow British accent, Mr. Smith scored a goal. And, you know, we, we were the first ones to have all the theme music and nicknames for players and all that sort of stuff. And it attracted a lot of attention from established hockey clubs that, that wanted to copy it. And it led to the creation of the, the Super League. Uh, I, I don't know if, if Bob talked to you about that. Um, yeah. And the problem with the Super League was there was no limit on imports and there was no limits on wages. And as big as it got, Clubs, clubs started going bankrupt. Every, every, you know, you'd have a team that would win the Grand Slam one year and would be going into administration the following year because because it was a it, it was a fad. It was a um, I mean Manchester, the best example, Manchester Storm, and I and I love the Storm as they are now. I, I think they're a fantastic team. The original Manchester Storm in the nineties played in the, the Nymex arena, uh, which holds 17,000 people. It's an NHL-size arena. And they they were bringing in big names and they, and they were doing huge things on the ice. Uh, but behind, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but within within a couple of years, like their fans were walking around away rinks on a weekend with collection buckets because they were they were struggling to pay players. And, it, and I think... In Manchester, you've got the two biggest football teams in the world. Yeah. So it, it it became a novelty and everybody said, oh, let's go, you know, it's a massive event, let's go and see it. Once you're bored with it, you go back to your football team. Yeah. And and unfortunately, that that's that's what happened a lot. And, and it sort of happened in Sheffield. I think Sheffield came close a couple of times to probably not going under, but we had a couple of owners that didn't really care if the team succeeded or failed and for people like me you know i i remember going in the 90s and seeing the sellouts and then i remember um i i i used to work funny shifts for a while so i had to stop i had to give up my season ticket for a few years and i'd catch the odd game and i'd walk in and think this is a different building there's, there's no people here there's no you know just two years before i was i was fighting to get to my seat and some some nights there's like 20 of us in a, in a whole block um but the, uh, what I must say is the current ownership have just done um, the, what, what they've done is amazing. They, they've come in and, and first of all, they, they looked after season ticket holders because the previous owner took all the money out of the club. So anyone who'd bought a season ticket, we'd paid that guy. The new guy came in and had to give us free tickets basically for a year. 
Um, but he's done some amazing things. And I mean, I'm, I get critical sometimes when there's a lot of things the club do that seems to be just trying to grab money. But at the same time, they've they've created a sustainable, a sustainable hockey club that, um, that that yeah, at times has come close to close to folding. I mean, we we play in a massive arena. We we don't own the arena in Sheffield. Um, the the club rents the arena. Um, it, it's used for for concerts and for for big like boxing events and that sort of stuff. So, to be a hockey club that's able to sustain that sort of relationship and 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 keep those sort of crowds. It's impressive. They seem to be talking about the current owner, um, Tony. It seemed to be uh, he stirred up some some conflict within the EIHL when he went, and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, he purchased uh, the Steeler NIHL club. um, And there was a lot of, I remember over the summer or whenever it was, a lot of you know, other people going, no, he can't buy that club, et cetera, et cetera. And then it finally went through. It was approved. What was that? What was that all about in your estimation? And obviously, is it a good thing for the Sheffield Steelers or Sheffield as a city? I, I think it's a great thing. Um, I see why people in the I think the first thing the people in the lower league thought was that he was just going to throw money at them and that they'd win every year. But when you look at it, I think he's bought it to be a development club. The The biggest criticism the EIHL gets, and particularly the Steelers, because we live in a city that has good ice hockey facilities, a lot of players come from Sheffield and end up going to other places. And the Steelers get a lot of criticism for not looking after our own. We should be doing more for our own. <clears throat> the bottom line is the, the Elite League's a professional team. And a, a professional league, sorry, and, and the Steelers are a professional team. And we, we're we not developing kids because that's not our role. We're, we're, we're here to, to win championships. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, uh, you, you guys are big Bruins fans. We we've, we had uh, Martin St-Pierre a few years ago, came and played for the Steelers. So you're not going to take on a player like that and also take on a, a 15-year-old school kid that's, doing a college course and playing hockey parts. You, you can train them together and do all that together. But from, from a fan point of view, I I pay money to see my club win. And yeah. I love to see the Brits do well. But the best Brits will always make it to the, the, the top team. Right. And there hasn't been a, a way of developing those Brits. And, and that's not a good thing. And the fact that the Steelers have, have bought the Steel Dogs, to me, it looks like they're paving the way for that sort of development and you know it's what you guys do in america every nhl team as an ahl team as an ehl team um it's they call it the farm league don't they and uh, and that's the sort of system that we should be looking for so i i think it's a good thing Uh, and i think that the the way it was dragged on like it was i think was probably the the sponsorship and the ownership of the lower league were were pro- I think they saw that this might open the floodgates for other teams, right? And because the final statement that the the National League made, well, the the company that owns the National League, the title sponsor, is uh, they also own a lot of the public skating rinks and things in Britain, mm-hmm. and they said that they've set a fee for how much an elite league team must pay if they want to to buy an affiliate team like this, and I think that that's all they were looking for is a way of 
But yeah. because I think once once Sheffield do it, I think Nottingham, Cardiff, particularly the bigger clubs in the league, I think they'll do it. Um, and wouldn't that wouldn't that be good for hockey overall? Or absolutely, it, it really would. But but these guys, I mean, one of the things he said, the 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 chairman of of that company that made that statement, he said, "I want to remind people that we don't rely on hockey to make money." Because they because they do public skating and things. Well, that I th so I think it was just a money game. I think that was the only reason he did it. Um, it, it to me it's a no brainer, and I think yeah. that I'd love to see every team in the in the elite league do it. I mean, Glasgow Glasgow's owner also owns a team in the lower league. I, I'm not sure if they're linked up yet, like affiliated, but. The, the same guy owns both teams. So I think they'll set up a similar agreement. Um, I'd love to see it happen across the board. Cardiff aren't too far from Bristol and they've had two-way players in the past. They, although they're not owned by the same ownership group, they've had similar agreements. So um, it, it's got to be the way to go because, you know, we the, the players we get coming over here from North America have played in these systems and that's what's developed them to get good enough to play in our league. Yeah. So we should be setting something up for the British guys to achieve the same sort of thing. So when you were talking about the Sheffield Steelers earlier, you said uh, sellouts even from the start, early 90s, and then uh, it got to a point where you said you – I mean, there was nobody really there at some point. So since we've been following Sheffield and doing this podcast, <clears throat> there's been tons of serious fans about it. I mean, there's always been a really, really good crew of fans that show up to all the games over there. When did that – start up again was it 10 years ago five years ago when did everybody start coming behind the Steelers again I mean it's it's always it's always got up and down it, right. it, you know peaks peaks and troughs um the you have certain games so you know Boxing Day every year against Nottingham is always going to be a sellout right. every year but that's because you know if, if you work in an office that might be your office party for the for the for the Christmas you know um, you get a lot of, of big groups of people coming to those sort of games because it's a it's a night out. But the actual, you know, a Sunday Sunday afternoon game or a Wednesday night game, the the crowds really died off. Um, probably shortly after the Super League fell, and then it was yeah, it was when Tony took over. I mean, I went to games um, when I, I went to the game when Paul Reagan bought the club, and he and he came out with a microphone and started. And and that, that was a big crowd, and he started telling us all, oh, "We've got the big plans. We're going to open a shop. We're going to do this. We're going to do that." And he was just the same as the rest of them. And two weeks later, the the crowd that I'd seen that night had dropped again. And it, like every time a new a new ownership group came in, they promised the world fans would start creeping back in. It wouldn't happen. Fans would start leaving again. Um, but yeah, I really think since uh, since the current owners got involved, they've just I mean, I, I work for the local authority and uh, they have a ticket guy who, he if you email him, if you work for the National Health Service, if you work for a local authority, drop him an email and he'll he'll sort you some tickets on a good deal. And I think that's the sort of thing that was missing because right. I, I'm going to be there till, till the day I die. I'm going to have a season ticket. But I've got friends of mine who will say to me, I fancy coming to a game, you know, well, Oh, email this guy, see if he can make you a deal. Yeah. And then they might come to two or three games. And I've got one friend in particular, him and his whole family are now season ticket holders. And that, that came from a couple of years ago, him asking me to get him a ticket just because 
um, his football team weren't playing that weekend and he wanted something to do. So it, it's those sort of off-ice things that, that are bringing in the big crowds. Um, so um, talk to us a little bit about hockey in general, not only in your area, but in your opinion, um, all of Great Britain. Um, it seems to us that hockey is becoming more popular, knowing that football, soccer for our North American fans, football is king and will always be king. And hockey is sort of that secondary sport. However, we look at Team Great Britain doing well in the World Championships last year. Uh, looks like they're going to be moved up uh, a, a league or a, or a conference thing, yeah. to a tougher. I mean, it, it there's some really good um uh, players coming from the UK. We're even seeing some UK players come over to North America to either A, train or B, train and get into the East Coast League or maybe the American League over here. So do you feel, Jack, that uh, and when, if if the answer is yes, then when, uh, you know, is is hockey picking up over there? And if so, why do you think that is? And, and when did it start? I'm probably going to piss a lot of people off with the why. Um, I think I think the Steelers have a lot to do with the why. Um, I, it, it, not just the Steelers. I think Belfast are a big part of it, and I think Cardiff are, and and, and Nottingham might they might have struggled for the last few years, but they're still a big name. Like I, I I've been abroad and met people from Nottingham, and they know who the Panthers are, and they know that, and and I think it's. The big clubs, they, I think it's the elite league. The elite league clubs are the ones that are paving the way. I, I think that we, um, as a league, put ourselves out there and and gain interest. Um, I, I remember a few years ago, I, I met some people on holiday from Dundee. Um, they'd never been to a hockey game before. They'd never, they couldn't name you a player. They couldn't tell you anything about hockey. But at the time, Omar Pasha was the coach in Dundee. They knew his name. They 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 knew what he looked like. They, they knew everything about him because they said he's on their local uh, BBC channel twice a week talking about the club. That doesn't happen with your your small junior teams, but but an elite league team in Dundee is on the news talking about it. Well, Dundee also have a small junior team, so when they're doing it, it it's benefiting the whole the whole system, the whole um, everything that goes on in that area. So. I think it's a lot to do with the Elite League is is why hockey's growing. I think one of the things we probably struggle with is the fact that we haven't got a team in London anymore. Um it, it's a you know, you want if you get a team in your capital city, that's when you're gonna get bigger sponsors and a bigger uh, investment and, and probably TV deals and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um Manchester's a good one because it's a you know, it's it's a famous city around the world. Um, and I think that does a lot for for the league. Uh, they might be a small club in in scale of things, but the fact that there is a club in Manchester, I imagine to a lot of North Americans probably appeals because they've heard of Manchester United and they you yeah. know they've heard of Old Trafford and that sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, I think it's the elite league that that's driving the growth. Um, but I, I yeah, I think it's you have hotbeds, you have places that have the facilities. So Sheffield. As well as the arena, we've got Ice Sheffield that's got two Olympic pads in it. So there's a lot of kids training in Sheffield. Um, Fife, Fife's a, a cracking club, the oldest club in in Britain, older than most NHL clubs actually. And and they've they've got really good juniors and uh, and really good 
uh, semi-pro and beer league and that sort of thing. So they're growing it pretty well. The problem you get with with some of the clubs is that they, again, like Sheffield, we play in a, an arena that doesn't belong to us, but we also have ice Sheffield. Some some clubs play in a building that when they're not training, it, it doesn't belong to ice hockey. It goes back to the, the NIHL guy that said ice hockey isn't their main income, and it's not their main income. They make more money from public skate. So the the smaller teams, unfortunately, in those sort of towns, they're not going to see the growth because um, that's that's not what the the rink wants to see and that's not what, what's bringing money in. Now, we're putting you on the spot because, you know, uh, we're, you're kind of uh, 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 de facto speaking for all Sheffield fans here. So uh, it's a large responsibility, Jack. Uh, but oh, I've done it before. But, so, okay, uh, you know, you follow our podcast all the time. We've had on players from almost every, t- I think every team, I think we now got every team covered. I think so. And uh, they all say they hate coming to Sheffield, which is good for Sheffield. So, uh, and of course, we also hear from some uh, Manchester fans, uh, some Fife fans, and of course, some Nottingham fans, and they don't like Sheffield. And they say that the Sheffield fans are kind of mean, uh, you know, just kind of jerks. They got, they got uh, money. They don't like them. Over well, there. yeah, the team's got money, but the fans are just a little bit uh, too much. Uh, would you uh, ha, ha, go ahead and defend that? Because now we're going <laughs> to lay some smack down because we'll get some Nottingham and Manchester fans going, hey, you should have said this. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'd rather not defend it. I'm I'm the biggest critic of Sheffield fans in the world, <laughs> and and I call people out all the time. Um, it, unfortunately, it, sometimes our fan base is a bit too much Steelers and not fans of hockey, and okay. and I've and I've had somebody um, argue that point with me before um, about c- certain certain situations where. Uh, you know, if Sheffield do it, it's fine. You know, we love it. But if another team does it, oh, it's bad. And um, and I, I, it's okay to be critical about your own team. And I and I think some of our fans would would rather die than be critical of their team. And whereas I think you know, criticism good as long as you learn from it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's... So so I so so I'm a diehard Steelers fan, and I will defend the Steelers. Uh, with my life, if I had to, but but I'm probably on the side of some of those fans. Maybe not the ones from Nottingham, but yeah, <laughs> maybe the five ones. Maybe. <laughs> what was your favorite uh, era yeah. of Sheffield Steelers? Is there a specific couple years, seasons? What was your favorite? If you go back, so it'd be hard for me not to say. So the 2016, 2017, I think it was season. Where we last won the playoffs, um, that was my first season with my partner, who's now my wife, with me, and it'd, so it'd be rude for me not to say that was like my because because we had some great memories and we we broke the record for the longest British game in history. It went to double overtime in the playoff final, and yeah. and, and Levi Nelson scored a belter to win it. So it'd be difficult for me not to pick that season as like probably my my favorite season ever uh, but era um definitely the mid 90s um i mean th- those two jerseys behind me 
that one is from when we went to Finland to play in the Europa Cup. And oh, that one amazing. is the 1995 Premier League champions. So that was before the Super League and before the Elite League. And um, that that jersey is signed by uh, Ken Priestley. Probably the best player, in my opinion, the best player ever to play for the Steelers. Won, won two rings with Pittsburgh. Uh, spent most of his time with Rochester, scored 40, 50 goals a season in the American League. And he came to Sheffield. And I think when you when you talk about what, what's led to the, the growth of hockey in the UK, it was probably players like him because he just came in and um, he the, I think his first game, he scored an hat-trick and then another two goals. So he scored five goals in his first game. Um, again, and it was against Nottingham, uh, I think, off the top of my head. Uh, and and that goes back to what I was saying about in those days, a lot of teams had part-time players. They played hockey a bit. They had other jobs. Well, yeah. if you've got if you've got a part-time goalie, and somebody with with two rings from Pittsburgh is coming in and taking shots on you, you you're not going to win many games. Um, and and so yeah, probably the mid nineties. I mean, we we brought over some people around then. Uh, Wayne Cowley was an absolute monster of a goalie. Um, he he owns the bar across from the Hall of Fame in Toronto. Uh, the bottom line, he he's he's a good guy. Um, Tommy Plummer came over around about that time. He he was he, he was a really short guy who would fight anybody, and he, and he was punching up most of the time. Um, but he did what he, he had to do to win. Uh, Scott Allison, the only person I've ever seen come out of the penalty bin and not even pick his stick back up because he came out, punched the guy again, and went back to the bin. Just you know, just had one more one more point to make. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the sort of the mid to late nineties probably my favourite era. Uh, but unfortunately, that's the same the same era that the Super League. You know, it got to two thousand two thousand and one. Um, most Steelers fans will tell you that 2001 was our best season because we won the Grand Slam and it was the height of the Super League. The quality of hockey then was unreal, but the finances were too much and, and that was when it all sort of de declined. So, um, But I'm also, I'm looking back with rose tinted glasses. At the time, I was probably probably looking back years before and thinking that was my favourite, you know, so. Yeah. So that brings us to the present here, and it seems like since we've been following this last three years, Sheffield is a is a, a kind of a lot like the Boston Bruins in a way where they've got a solid team. Uh, Foxy's doing a great job. They're certainly getting financial support from the owner. Uh, he's putting together good teams. We'll talk a little bit about this year's team, but yet just like the Boston Bruins, when they have to you know stand up and and produce in the playoffs. Uh, they just they just don't uh, for some reason. But it seems like Sheffield has another strong team this year. Too early to make any predictions. Yeah, they're top of the league, but what they play six games so far. Uh, but they look great. Mm. Are they? I, well, I say we're not going to predict. You can predict, Jack. We're not going to predict wow. yet. But it just seems like Sheffield's due for some silverware. Yeah, I I think so. Um, I I think the problem. I mean, you mentioned the playoffs and everybody loves the playoffs. And I love winning the playoffs uh, because the playoff weekend's a fantastic event. Um, and even when I don't get to go and I have to watch it on TV, I still love the whole weekend. 
But the big trophy in the UK is is the league. And it and it unfortunately it's because we come from a football background. I, I don't come from a foot I hate football. I've never watched a game in my life. But the way football runs is that if you win the league, that's the big trophy. So in ice hockey, especially since the Elite League started, that's always been the big one. So you're talking a 52-game playoff series, basically. Your entire season is a playoff series. And I think that's where the problems come for me. Um, a couple of weeks ago, we, we went to Nottingham and won 6-0 in a cup game. Yep. It's, it's still the group rounds in the cup. And we're probably going to qualify anyway. But we came home and lost to Cardiff in a league game. Now, come the end of the league, if we're one point behind Belfast or Cardiff, or you know, that that's the sort of game we should have won. And I, and I think a lot of that might come from some of the social media pressure. It's Nottingham, they're our biggest rivals. We need to go and beat them. To, to me, I, I love winning the Cup as well. It's a great trophy to win, but that game wasn't as big a win as, as the one after. So when you talk about silverware, I'm not going to make any predictions at this stage because I'd like them to win the league. I, I think that's the one we've been missing. I, I'd be happy to see us win the league, get to a playoff final and, I don't know, losing overtime in the playoffs. That would be, that'd be sound. But the league's the big trophy. The, the league trophy is the one that we parade around the car park and that the fans go and have their picture took with and, and that sort of stuff. So um, for me, that's that's the big one. So at the moment, Sheffield's uh, doing, like we talked about, great. Some of the players, especially the new ones, uh, you know, uh, we've not, our, our disappointment is we only get to see highlight videos over here. Uh, and I think you actually sent us a few links to a few games in the past that we were able to actually watch. But, you know, we're going to rely on you here. You've watched a lot of hockey. Uh, so you've got the new player, 92, Mitchell uh, uh, Balmas, or I, I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing his name right. He's a Canadian. He seems to be a great addition. Foxy grabbed him late, I think, into the summer. Um, you got Valorant come back, and I know there was a whole bunch of hub-hub because he, you know, was kind of pissed off. Hey, you know, I'm, I want some some trophies. I'm going over to Europe. Uh but then you've got, and a guy that we know well, you got Saucerman. We've seen him play over here in the North America. He's actually doing quite well. A goal, four assists. Um, he's also got 14 penalty minutes. The guy looks like a monster. You have, of course, uh, uh, well, our friend, Kevin Tasney. I mean, we're good friends with Kevin. He seems to be a good stay-at-home defenseman. I mean, there's so many. Scott Allen, of course, you got, you know, the 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 Brit Robert Dowd, you know, the captain doing well. But then you got Greenfield, who's really the guy that's holding you guys there. And I think Foxy traded and got uh didn't trade, but paid for is it Malone? Hmm. Malone and he didn't he just have a first game recently and he he walked away with a win. But that's where I'd be I'd be so worried. If Greenfield has an injury, you guys are screwed. Yeah, I think I think Greenfield was the pickup of the summer. I, I've loved uh, I love Sourceman. I think he's great, and I've loved the new players that that we've brought in. But I think at the end of last season, every fan was saying, "Bring Greenfield back." That that's you, you know your your best offense starts starts from your defense and you build from the back. And and I think that. 
for me, Greenfield was the best goalie in the league last year. Um, yeah. Tyler Beskowani in Belfast statistically was better, but they brought him in mid-season um, after after they were having a bad run of form. And I think that had he played the full season, he'd have probably been the best goalie in the league, but he didn't. So for, for the full, from September through to April, uh, for me, Greenfield was... Uh, head and shoulders above everybody else last season. And I think bringing him back was was the important piece. Um, but bringing someone in that can give him a break as well, that can take over on a night, is, is fantastic. Um, and, that, and that goes back to what I was saying about, about you know, cup games and, and that sort of stuff. If we're still in the early rounds of the cup, I like to see those sort of goalies going in and, and getting their minutes and, and practising. Um because if we get a league game and Greenfield goes out injured, we need to be relying on those lads. Um, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Nottingham's doing uh, – they're coming out of the gate pretty strong. But I think just like we we predicted the last two years, and we were right, Belfast is still going to be the team to beat. So how is Sheffield going to get past Belfast? Because somewhere down the road, Belfast is going to be in the way. And they've got a great team. they got a great goalie too, eh? Yeah, but the thing with Belfast this year, they're in the Champions League and sometimes that can knock teams. Um, it, it can they, they can use all their energy in that tournament and then struggle in the season. I mean, Belfast have got the finances behind them to, to bring in more players if they need to. So um, I'm not sure. I think with Belfast, I think what all we need to do is, is sort of is grind them down. I think we have a lot of speed this year. And I, I went to a game a few weeks ago and the Steelers came out the box uh, sprinting and you think, oh, they can't keep this up all night. But they did. So if you can do that against the top teams um, and, and if you can protect, going back to Greenfield, if you can protect your goalie, if you can give him the best chance to stop goals going in, players on the other side will, will find a way. I mean, you, you mentioned Robert Dowd there. Robert Dowd can can score goals in, in any league. He, he's just gifted at it. He's I've seen his golf game. He's, he's got a strong swing. So you know, um, as long as you protect your goalie and and defend from the back, I think the goals up front will come. Um, I think Valorand looks a different player this year. Um, he he looks like he's found himself well found a new role. I think when we first had him, he was the the go-to guy um, on and off the ice, you know. Uh, and then I think he's come back as more of a, a seasoned, almost a leader, um, you know, come back as a um, will hold players to account sort of guy and will score goals when he needs to. So, um, but I th- yeah, from, when it comes to beating Belfast, you lead by example and they've made Robert Dowd the captain. So, there could be a player coming into this team as a 16-year-old from Sheffield or a seasoned veteran from the NHL. But you, if they're going to look to their captain, and that's Robert Dowd, he's going to show you how to win. So, yeah, if you want to beat Belfast, follow Dowdy. And and he used to play for Belfast, so he, he knows how to beat them. Yeah. <laughs> so from a North American perspective, uh, we find a couple things uh, a bit strange in hockey in the Elite League. And one of those is... Um, it seems like contracts are only one-year deals with the exception of a few players. 
And I understand, you know, why that is, you know, but even in America, you know, they're inking three-year deals for the first time and then usually two-year deals after that, right, Andrew? And then I'm talking American League. Um, East Coast League is usually a a, a year-to-year thing as well. But it it just seems to be, um, if you're one of those, um, I don't know, if you you like playing the GM game, as we like to say, put together teams – I think that's that's great, but it doesn't put together like a solidified foundation for any team. Uh, and to me, to us, that's a little bit confusing. And and then you can't build like Foxy would have a tough time building or any coach a culture in there because, you know, even though you are going to have some players come back, the players don't know if they're coming back yet. And then you got a lot of new players. So that's a little strange to us. But is that strange to you? I mean, you follow NHL and the American League over here as well. Is that something that uh, uh, you feel a bit strange? Or it's just, I mean, it's just the way it is over there. I think it comes down to visas. Because I think in the NHL uh, and the AHL, a lot of players have citizenship. Whereas over uh, here, so, some point. of our players are coming in on student visas. So um, I, I remember talking to a player a few years back who um, he lived just down the road. We ended up in the pub together one night and, and he was telling me that the student visa he was on even limited the amount of money that he could earn. So so he was on a really low salary. But then, you know, he got a car, he got a house, he got a um petrol allowance, food allowance. and He, he was laughing with me because one of the uh, local bar sponsored him. So he said, I just go there for my tea every night because it's, it's free. I don't have to pay. Um, but but the, the contract that he was on, uh, was it was subject to the visa that he got and, and his visa just limited everything he could do. Um, but it also works in our favour because um, a few years back, we signed a lad from the KHL who was... Uh, sort of mid-twenties, middle of his career, we couldn't afford a player like that if we weren't offering them scholarships with the University of Sheffield, which is a a red brick university, uh, which is the British equivalent of like your Ivy League sort of stuff. So um, he he came in and he openly said, I'm going to come do my degree, be here for a couple of years, then go back to making money. But at least I'll have this degree for when I when I retire. So yeah. some, sometimes it works in our favour. So you, you guys might see a North American coming over who doesn't look like they, they're earning a lot or they, they don't they don't look like they've got a good deal. But to them, they they might be walking away with a, an NBA degree um, and they've got to carry on playing professional hockey. So, Well, it, you know, we've noticed too that um... – the elite league is starting to affect at least the East coast league here in, in, in North America in this way. So we've noticed a lot of, you know, AHL and of course, East coast players that go over to, uh, to play in the elite league. And it's becoming more and more that we're noticing. And um, it's because you, you know, you guys are offering more money than the typical East coast contract. And it's sort of in between that and the American League contract. And if they really are a a well-known player, they can get even more. And we're noticing it's even messing up. Like, look at the Bruins, right? We got – is it Brodeur? Yeah. We own the rights to Brodeur. We want him in our system to develop for the Boston. But 
Where is he at? He's at Manchester. Yeah, I think he's a goalie from Manchester. At least last year, yeah. Because it's a great opportunity for him. He gets to get the playing experience and he gets to get better money than if he's in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. So we're starting to notice that as well, that a lot of players are 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 heading over to the UK because hockey's becoming uh, better. Hockey's becoming uh, uh, they're paying the players more salary. Yeah. So uh, it's an exciting time, I think, for uh, the elite league. I think another thing with the elite league is uh, with, with players that come over from America, it, a lot of the contracts um, involve their family as well. So, again, if somebody's an American national and they get offered a job in a city, they have to move to that city. But but what, what else happens with their family and things is their responsibility. Whereas I know Sheffield in the past have done things like found jobs for players' wives um, and and brought their kids over. And, and that sort of thing can really affect a, a player's decision. So yeah, I don't think it's always about salaries. I think sometimes we offer other things in the UK. I mean, I mentioned uh, Tommy Plummer when we were talking about the 90s stuff earlier. His wife got a job at uh, at my school as a teacher. Oh, wow. So that, and that, that was the sort of thing that, to him, I think he was playing in uh, Austria or some, somewhere like that. And his wife didn't enjoy it because she had no friends. Nobody spoke English. She, she couldn't go anywhere during the day. Sheffield said, well, if you come and play for us, we'll find your wife a job. And and they did. So um, it's not always just about the, the wages for the player. It, it can be about the schooling. It can be about the family, the family side of stuff. Interesting. Last thing uh, that I want to mention, and then we're actually going to hit you with some lightning round questions as a fan, and that'll be fun. But uh, Sheffield, Bob Westerdale um, of the Star um, has a a great article out that sometime this weekend, one fan will be the five millionth fan to come to a Sheffield game. And um, that's a great milestone over in, in the elite league. Uh, has the team mentioned anything? Uh, like, once they find that five millionth person, do they get something special? Like, are, are they promoting it? Is it just like, hey, this is going to happen? I, I, I've been on holiday for a week, so I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I've not heard that, but I hope I'm taking my daughter to the game this yeah. weekend, and yeah. I hope, she, I hope she's the five million fan. That, that would mean a lot to me. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. All right, so we're gonna but, finish. We're going to finish up with a quick lightning round, and, and I'll uh, I'll start. So uh, you've already mentioned your favorite error. So as a Sheffield, gosh, I didn't even know since 1991, 92, how long ago that is. That's a long time. Yeah. 20, 20, 20 22 years? 22. Wow. Yeah, you can't do math all right now. I can't do math right now. I was born in 96, and I'm 26. All right. Well, there you go. A long time, Jack. Who is your favorite? If you had to pick, well, we'll give you two, but if you had to pick one, who is your favorite player to wear the jersey? Not skilled, not, your favorite. Not skilled, doesn't have to be that skilled, favorite player. Scott Allison could could fight and score goals, so he'd, he'd be up there. Um, but I, I'd have to say Ken Priestley. Um, I, I went I went to Vancouver a few years ago um, on, a, on a mountain biking trip. And I just randomly got in touch with him and said, I'm a Sheffield fan. I'm in Vancouver, you know, and he came to meet me at the airport. So I'd have to say him because that's, a, you know, there's yeah, one, one, once you've wore the jersey, you always remember. And yeah, yeah, I'd have to say Ken Priestley. That's great. 
Who is the biggest rat that you've hated in the league since you've been watching? Is there anybody that's ever played Sheffield that's just constantly been a thorn in the side that you're like, dude, I hate when we play this guy? Uh, Barry Nykar. Well, who did he play for? He played for Nottingham in the 90s. Uh, he was, I don't know if you've seen, if you go on YouTube and type in Sheffield Steelers, the top video is always the uh, bench clearance in Nottingham. He He's the one that caused that uh, cr- cross-check wow. through the back of somebody's neck. Yeah, I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna, I gotta watch that. The yeah. tough, the uh, the toughest fighter to wear a Sheffield jersey, in your opinion. Paul Cruz played for Sheffield for a year, and I don't think he ever had a fight because he was that tough. No one would fight him. Came <laughs> straight from came straight from the NHL to. I, I could list off the best fighters we've had, but he wore a Sheffield jersey, and nobody in the league would fight him. The the guy I just mentioned, Barry Nykar, he'd skate off the ice backwards, going like going like this, but he'd be skating back to the bench. Never, yeah, never stepped on the ice at the same time as him. So, interesting. I, yeah, I'd say Paul Cruz, but I never saw him fight. The <laughs> most, and this is a tough one, but the most memorable game that you've gone to, um, yeah, probably that playoff final I mentioned. Um, 2016, 2017 playoff final. Double overtime. I got to ask this just because you're wearing the jersey. Who's your favorite Bruins player right now? Yeah. Right now, on the team right now. Right now? Yeah, that's playing. I couldn't tell you because they sacked all my favorite last year. (laughs) Oh, they didn't sack. Sorry. No, no, they all retired. They all retired. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Who's who's, Who's up there then? All time. One of your favorite Bruins? Um, I saw Patrice Bergeron take the best face off I've ever seen in my life when I was in Boston. He, oh, so you he, got to go? Yeah, yeah. I, I so I've got family in America. I, I've spent a fair, fair bit of time over there, and uh, yeah, I, I saw him up in Boston. Uh, I saw him beat the Red Wings, which was which was pretty cool. Uh, two two original six teams, but yeah, I've never seen anybody take a face off quite like he like. Hit it back like it was going to go through his legs, but then kicked it with his skate at an angle to to his his guy up on the hash marks. Yeah, um, it, it was like a cheat code on PlayStation. It just that's awesome. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome, Jack. We can't thank you enough. This has been great, and it's it's wonderful for us because uh, you know we started the podcast not knowing really what we were going to do or where we were going, and then we finally realized we're going with the route we went, and we've gotten to meet so many players like we say and, and people in hockey now we get to meet um another lover of hockey and a guy that enjoys what we do like that it was a pleasure to have you on man yeah you got to come on again man for sure yeah. and then we got to come oh, over nice to meet you. I'll, I'll bring my dad next time we'll do the, the father-son thing on this yeah, side that'll be, that'll be he's, awesome he's, up, he's over in the states at the minute or so i would have uh, invited him around awesome yeah, yeah we'll say goodbye off here so hang on but officially Jack, thank you so much, and it was a pleasure to finally meet and yeah. talk face, sort of face-to-face. Yeah, thanks, Jack. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you. Okay, so a little background story. Jack approached us right from the beginning when we started uh, having UK Elite League players on our podcast. Right. And also, you know, like, love your Boston Bruins stuff because he's a big Bruins fan. So anyway – We've actually been sort of like online Twitter friends with Jack now for a year and a half, two years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, who, who knows how long? And uh, uh, 
it's kind of cool because uh, we kept telling them, we're going to, you know, let's get you on the podcast here. It'd be, it'd be fun to get a fan because we've never had a diehard fan. And, you know, um, and we don't know Jack, you know, uh, just from what we know about him, right, through our experiences with him. But season ticket holder since 92. I mean, he's been there from the very beginning and, you know, seems to know the team as much as we think we know the Boston Bruins. So it was great to have him on. Um, and uh, we do have a lot of Sheffield listeners. Uh, you know, take it easy on Jack. If you see him, you know, uh, go up to him and make him a local celebrity here for uh, coming on the podcast. Because uh, we do have quite a few people listen to the podcast now. And we want to thank everybody for that as well. And uh, we're glad that we're able to cover a little bit of the Elite League uh, for the second week in a row. Yep. Yep. And we'll be back to North American uh, guests as well. Andrew, any concluding comments? Cause I kind of took this, this one over. I did the, no, you're good. The question, um, so to speak. No, you're fine. Um, no, just uh, this has been the best month as far as traction, as far as downloads, which is not about the number. It's just the fact of we're appreciative that we took a little hiatus this summer started to come back and then there's still so much support and even more support than ever. So um, it just, I guess, fuels us and right. motivates us to get back on it, even though life tons of stuff's been getting in the way, but uh, yes, yeah, it's fun to be back. We've, we've, we've got a Canadian um, former coach yep, who has going to come on with some wonderful stories the following week, next week. Yep. Um, and he's coached and trained some of the greats in the NHL, and uh, we look forward to talking to him as well. Yep. So stay tuned, everybody. Listen to us on all the podcasts, distribution networks, Apple or Spotify or whatever. Yep. Appreciate everybody still tuning in. Thank you. Bye-bye.